Hey, Late Seating listeners, this is a bonus episode. A lot of people have been asking us to review The Matrix, and technically, Steve and I have already reviewed The Matrix back when uh, Late Seating was a uh, live YouTube show. So um, I decided to upload the audio here, so you'll notice some differences in uh, audio quality. Um, but the funny's still there. You'll also notice that the format has changed, uh, quite a bit since we've recorded The Matrix, so, um, enjoy! Hello, Let Me Listen podcast listeners. Would you like this part of the podcast to be filled with ads for shaving clubs or underwear clubs or web hosting sites? Yeah, I didn't think so. Neither do we. So, this is just a quick announcement to let you know that after several requests from fans... Um, Let Me Listen Podcast has opened a Patreon page. So if you would like to help support this show and um, some of the other shows that uh, Let Me Listen Podcast produces, then please go to patreon.com slash lemme underscore listen and make a pledge or just click the Patreon link on the Let Me Listen website. We're only asking for $1 a month and the funds will go to making these podcasts better and ad-free. If you can't, or just don't want to, don't worry about it. We still love you, and uh, thanks for listening. Hey everybody, and welcome to Late Seating with Steve Shives and Jason Harding. And this week, we are going to tackle... The Matrix, a beloved science fiction contemporary classic. And to start with, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of The Matrix. Pardon me while I read my screen. The Matrix (laughs) is a 1999 science fiction action film written and directed by the Wachowskis. It stars Keanu Reeves as a hacker looking for answers, Lawrence Fishburne as a philosophy babble generator and a cult leader, Carrie Ann Moss as the love interest with guns, uh, Hugo Weaving as everybody's favorite psychotic AI, and Joey Pants as Joey Pants. Um, the film depicts a dyst- like a dystopian future uh, in which our reality is actually a computer-simulated construct called The Matrix, made by sentient squid machines to control the human population, while our bodies, heat, and electrical activity are used as their energy source. Um, Neo learns this and joins a terrorist cell who are dedicated in fighting against the machines, and I guess ending the Matrix. And uh, Neo is also a technocrist. I mean, basically. the He's the prophesized one who's going to bring balance to the force. Uh, I mean, he's going. He's the Kwisatz Haderach. <laughs> no, no, I mean, he will lead humanity to, de- to defeat Skynet. No, I, he will defeat Voldemort. No, that's the wrong one. Uh, you went too far. You know, he's going to free humanity from the Matrix. Oh, and by the way, spoilers. Um, so to start, we're going to have Steve give his review of... <laughs> The Matrix, Steve. You know what? Uh, I, how much I enjoy The Matrix depends on what mode I'm watching it in. Because if you watch The Matrix in sort of like serious mode, where you're trying to take it seriously as a movie, and you're trying to watch it in the way that I suspect the filmmakers intended it, it's really horrible. It's such a stupid movie. But if you watch it 
like with your you know your cheese glasses on and you watch it like you would watch a movie like Roadhouse or something just to have a good time and to just laugh along with it and you know the goofy stuff is the goofy stuff is and the silly stuff is fine because it's just funny and you know then it's a great movie if you just say if you just turn your brain off and you just watch it and you're just like yeah this is stupid I'm just going to enjoy how stupid this is then it's actually a really fun movie for me to watch but if you try to take it seriously it just it's so full of itself it's so stupid. The writing is so superficial and stupid, and it, it 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 sort of dabbles in these really deep philosophical questions, but it only really answers them in the most superficial way possible, and then just goes right into doing action scenes. Now, and on a technical level, it's great. On a technical level, it's really an accomplished movie. The the, the action scenes are really well shot, really well choreographed. Um, you know, the there's really great production value. The Rakowskis are terrific filmmakers on a technical level. They know how to do, how to move the camera. They know how to stage action scenes. I mean, so technically there's really nothing to complain about other than really, uh, really, really blatant overuse of slow motion, which is a pet peeve of mine. Like they, they overuse slow-mo and really the Rakowskis and the success of this movie maybe are partially to blame for how incredibly overused uh, slow mo is in, in action films now and in big like blockbuster movies where everything has to slow down and then speed back up really fast. Uh, where would Zack Snyder be without that movie? He uses <laughs> that like in every movie. Slow. About it. We can play the Wachowskis for uh, for Zack Snyder. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, so it, it depends. It really depends on what mode you watch the movie in. If you look, if you watch it and you say, "I accept that this is silly and I'm just going to embrace the silliness and just." enjoy it, then it's a hell of a good time. If you try to take it seriously, as a lot of its really hardcore fans do, uh, I don't think it works at all. Well, um, here's my opinion of The Matrix. And I'm not going to, to commit the sin that we were complaining about earlier when it came to Citizen Kane. I am not going to downplay the importance of The Matrix as far as film is concerned. Um, it's importance to film history, to sci-fi history, and to filmmaking in general. Because um, in 99, when the film came out, it looked different, felt different. No one was really doing slow-mo, so I'm not going to fault it for using too much slow-mo because no one else was doing it. And when they showed it, you were like, holy shit, this is a different kind of movie. Um, stylistically, visually, it was just very different, which is one of the reasons why it came out in March. It was not a summer film. The studio, which was backing it, they were like, okay, you know what? You guys made a great movie, Bound, for almost no money, and it was great. And boy, do I love that fucking movie. Yeah. But... They said, okay, now we want to do The Matrix. And they're like, okay, but we're going to do a couple of things. Number one, you're going to go make it in Australia to save money. And number two, we really don't know if we want to do this kind of weird action film with these experimental camera effects. And, um, you know, it's got a kind of strange plot line and there's a lot of philosophy and stuff in it. So we're going to dump it in March. And thankfully that did not hurt the box office. They put it in March rather than as the summer lineup. And it did really, really well. So I'm not going to take away any of its success. I'm not going to say it doesn't deserve its success. It hit the industry like a freight train for better or worse. It did influence a lot of bad movies afterwards. The overuse of, of, of uh, slow-mo, the overuse of uh, bullet time, which was the big thing at the time was bullet time. And the darkening of a lot of sci-fi. A lot of sci-fi, the palette became 
the palette of the matrix, um, which we are now just getting out of um, as uh, at this point. And I kind of agree with Steve. If you kind of watch it with your, your brain turned off, it can be an extraordinarily entertaining movie. And when I first saw this in 99 and I was sitting in the movie theater and I watched it, it was very entertaining. But I made the mistake of doing what the filmmakers wanted, and that was to seriously consider their film because they were very, very serious. And before I get to this point, I would also like to point out the other problem that I have with the film is, is that the main leads, the actors, the humans in the movie, which is Neo, Morpheus, uh, uh, Trinity, all the main leads, our main heroes, are basically cyborgs. They have no true emotions. They don't have a range of emotion. They all kind of play their, their roles along this kind of medium line. I've seen reviews where people are like, oh, they, they are emotionally impactful. No, they kind of, most of Morpheus's lines are very quiet and direct, and it gives them an air of, of you know, being this kind of wise leader. Um, Keanu Reeves is a lead, and a lot of people turn down the part of Neo. Everyone talks about how Will Smith turned it down. Will Smith turned it down. Johnny Depp turned it down. <laughs> There's a long list of people who didn't, who were like, I don't know if I want this. They may have walked away when they found out that the Wachowskis wanted the, everyone to read Simulacrum and, and uh, I can't remember the name of the philosophy book that a lot of, uh, a lot of the precepts of the, the script is based on. And they're like, I don't want to feel like doing fucking homework to make a, a, an action film. But um, there are problems inherent in the film itself, if you do take it really seriously, that just that don't make a whole lot of sense. But there was one scene in particular, and I'm going to have to read a quote from the movie, and it's the reason why I really dislike The Matrix, if you take it seriously. And I'm going to read the quote now. Um, this is the scene where um, Morpheus is training Neo, and they're in the big city, and lots of people are, run, are walking around. It's also known as the scene with the woman in the red dress. And um, Morpheus says this to Neo. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. But when you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we're trying to save. But until we do... These people are still part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged, and many of them are so inured, so hopelessly dependent on the system, that they will fight to protect it. And then later in the same thing, he says, he tells him it's another training program, because Neo thought he was in the Matrix. He says, it's a training program designed to teach you one thing. If you are not one of us, you are one of them. That philosophy is the philosophy of every terrorist on the planet. That is the philosophy of, there's no such thing as innocent people. So kill them. You know what? It doesn't matter if we blow up a building and lots of innocent people die. They're part of that system. They're part of the capitalist system. So they don't matter. They don't care. And after I heard him say that, you then cut to the scene where they have to break Morpheus out of uh, being held. Those security guards down in the lobby, the ones that they blow away with impunity, 
those aren't agent smiths. Those aren't intelligent programs defending, defending the matrix. As far as those people are concerned, they're just people doing a job. Probably have families that they go home to, children, you know, people who are going to grieve them because two assholes in, in black trench coats and more guns than you can possibly imagine came in and just shot everybody. But it's okay because they're part of that system. They don't know they're part of the system, but they are. And it's okay to kill them. So after I realized that that was the underlying morality that motivates our heroes, I said, fuck you, movie. I don't <laughs> care. You wanted me to take you seriously? I'm taking you seriously now. And what you seriously just told me is that innocent people are either not real or they're your enemy. And then it made me re-examine the entire movie. And I realized that Morpheus is a fucking asshole. If you haven't seen the movie, rewatch it. Morpheus tells Neo nothing. He tells him nothing about the reality of the Matrix. In fact, he says, well, I can't tell you what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. That is horseshit beyond belief. He could easily tell them, Neo, I, I hate to tell you this, but you're in a computer construct. All of this is fake. Everything is fake. You're actually being used for a battery. Now, you can take one of these pills. One will make you forget. The other one will make you remember. He doesn't do that. He just basically says, you need to take one of these two pills. I'm not going to tell you what these pills do. Not really. But one of them is going to show you the truth, and the other one is going to, show, is going to put you to sleep. I don't think the other pill puts Neo to sleep. I think the other pill kills him. Because that's the organization that we're dealing with. Any organization that says it's okay to kill innocent people because they're part of the system, do you really think they're going to let anyone get that close to Morpheus and to the inner workings of their little group and then just let them walk away? Bullshit. And the closer you watch how Morpheus, number one, indoctrinates people, wins them over to his side, spews a bunch of uh, philosophical bullshit at them, basically wins them over, literally cuts them off from everything that they had by ripping them out of their reality and shoving them on board his little cult ship. You really start to examine what are the motivations here. And the other thing is, what are the machines doing that is so horribly, horribly wrong? They've established in the mythology of the, of the universe that the human beings destroyed the sky because the machines were dependent on solar electricity to stay alive. So, well, why not? Torch the sky, completely ruin the planet so we can get rid of the machines. It didn't work, and now the only real sizable population of human beings, the ones that are alive now, are all in the matrix, and all of them are fed. They live lives where they can find some relative happiness, and they're kind of cared for. It's icky, but you know what? They're alive. What is Morpheus's plan? Hey, I want everyone to eat snot with me in a cold, dank ship wearing shitty clothing. It doesn't matter that we couldn't possibly support the billions of people that are in the Matrix, considering that when we see Neo get released from the Matrix, he gets disconnected and he gets shot out of tube and he lands in a lake and he barely gets saved by, uh, by the ship. Try to imagine that on a scale of billions if they actually manage to shut the Matrix down. So as far as his plan is concerned, his group seems less like freedom fighters and more like a strange cultish terrorist cell. And the problem I have with it is is that the Wachowskis are smart. They don't put anything in their scripts that they didn't actually think about. I don't think that this was a sloppily written script by... Uh, 
a long stretch, they probably went over it several times. So the line in there about it being okay to kill innocent people, their thinking might have been, well, in this situation, because the Matrix is true. I don't give a fuck. You put that message in your movie and you put it out there for people to absorb. And I don't believe in that shit. I don't believe that you have to burn a village down in order to save it. And so after that, it really jaded my ability to be able to sit down and innocently watch the film. Because that scene's still in there. And the scene where they, anytime they kill someone that's not in the Matrix, I'm like, oh, but it's okay. Because according to the, the, the mythology, there's no innocent people. So my base, basically, basically my review of The Matrix is, is it an important movie? Yes. Very. Does it have a legacy? Sure. Was there talent behind it? Of course there was. If you like it, am I saying you're an idiot? No, of course not. The problems that I have with The Matrix are mine. I think that they're valid, and it kind of jades my entire experience to the film. Um, Steve? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I agree with what everything you just said. I actually, before you you quoted from that training scene, because we haven't really discussed it in detail since no. we decided we well, were we didn't. Do this. I think we did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, we, we, that's what we've usually done. And, um, and, uh, but I knew that was going to be the scene. I knew that was going to be the scene that, we, that you would have a problem with because that is, when you, when, you, when you consider it seriously, as the Wachowskis clearly want us to, uh, it is a really horrifying scene, and yeah. that that scene, the and then the the massacre scene where Neo and Trinity kill everybody in the in the lobby without even attempting to sneak into the building. By the way, that's no. shoot everybody in sight is Plan A. Yeah, we can no jump rooftop to rooftop, but we're yeah. gonna go in through the lobby for some reason. Yeah, and the, the really the really disturbing part of that, I mean, the, the the philosophy of it, the morality of it, the message of it is just horrible. But there's also I mean, they 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 wanted that scene in so bad. They said, "Let's do a scene in our movie where our heroes kill everybody in sight, yeah. and we'll shoot it in slow mo, and it'll be balletic, and it'll be you know, mm -hmm. uh, like let's let's make the coolest possible massacre we can we can have." And I'm just that just doesn't appeal to my taste. Like I love action movies. I don't have a problem with violence in movies. I'm not like a, a prude or squeamish about it at all. But no. there's something about Having your and and the Matrix, I mean, it's not a really bloody movie. The killing, no. the kills are mostly bloodless. But but when you take something like a, an act of violence, like where two where your two heroes walk into a room with automatic weapons and they murder everybody in sight, mm -hmm. and there's not a hint of moral judgment. There's not a hint of well, yeah. They're, they they're have, doing, when they're doing it, they have blank expressionless faces the entire time. They show no remorse. Yeah. They show no regret. What their their act not weighed on them at all. There's no like, well, it was tough that they had to do that, but they had to do it to save their friend. No, there's not even any of that. It's all just like, oh, that was awesome, mm -hmm. you know. Like the 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 column collapses, like the the score finishes, and there's like the silence, and then like the little crash, and then the the ding, and the elevator door closes, and it's like, oh, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't really think it was so awesome. I mean, I don't for what and it just. Judging it purely stylistically, I think that scene goes on a little long too. I mean, I don't think that's actually even one of the better action sequences because it's, right. it, when I watched it just recently, I watched it just two days ago to mm. sort of prepare for this, and 
and uh, you know, like the score, the the soundtrack in that shooting scene. It, it seems like it just keeps starting over again. It, it makes it feel like it just goes on forever. Like the melody gets to the end, and then it changes yeah. keys and starts over again. It's like Jesus Christ, how long is this going to take? How many people are they going to shoot in this fucking hotel lobby or whatever, or wherever <laughs> the fuck they're at? But you know, about the morality of it. Another interesting way to look at the movie, and and another way of looking at it that is really damning to the the message of the movie itself is uh, Cipher is the secondary villain who is the traitor on Morpheus's ship. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is really compared to what Morpheus and what Neo do and what Trinity do? Mm-hmm. What is so bad about what Cipher does? We've I mean, already. It's already been established that Morpheus has done the same fucking thing to Neo, to Cypher, and to Trinity, and to Mouse, and to, uh, uh, you know, the the um, albino lesbian, and whatever that other guy's name is. He's done it five times looking yeah. for the one. And one of them's got to be like... This is what I bought. This is the truth that I purchased. I want a T-shirt that says Cipher was right. Yeah, well, because, because he he even has that scene with Neo where he says, "If Morpheus had told me this is what it was like, I would have taken the other pill." Mm-hmm. Like if he if I had been given an informed choice, I would have chosen the other way. And right. yeah, okay, Cipher does kill people, right? To to, to oh yeah, that's right. where he turned because he is bad. He's yeah, a bad man. he does. He kills. I think he winds up actually successfully killing three people. Yes. Uh, and then he gets killed. So you know, but okay. So he's a bad guy. He kills people. I understand. Yeah. You can't. You can't just say, "Well, Cipher was really the hero." No, he kills people. You know, he betrays yeah. his friends. But I don't think the, either one of us is saying that Cipher was no, a hero. But in but in the scene, like it's that that maybe one or two scenes after that is that scene where Trinity and Neo kill everybody in sight. So yeah. it's like, what? Well, so what was so bad about Cipher? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Cipher because he's the bad. He's the Judas. He betrayed. Uh, That's right. He betrayed the the Techno Christ, yeah. And uh, you know, but here's the, this also leads to one of the major pro- plot holes, and I can't remember if it's addressed in the film or not. He betrays them. He's literally sitting down to a steak dinner with one of the agents, uh, with Agent Smith. Now the agents yeah. in the in the film are intelligent um, programs that are in the Matrix to kind of maintain control and hunt down aberrant elements like Neo and and uh, Morpheus. So we actually see that the Smiths are willing to negotiate with someone in order to get... They're not torturing the information out of him. He's bringing this this information forward. Right. And they really, really want Morpheus. And why do they want Morpheus? So they can find out where Zion is, the last holdout of humanity in the real world. Question. Why didn't they just get it from Cypher? Cypher was already giving him all the, you know, yeah, just put yeah. me back. I want to be, I want to be someone famous like an actor or someone like that. So put me back. Oh, by the way, where is Zion? They went through this whole bullshit of having to capture uh, Morpheus so that we could have that action sequence at the end right. of the film. Because nobody's going to try to save Cypher. Now, some people might say, well, Cypher didn't know where Zion was, and I'm like, that's bullshit, because everyone seemed to know where Zion was. They had two people on the ship that knew where Zion was, because they were born there. Right. And they've never gone back. They're just kind of on their own. So, it, it, it's one of it's one of the hitches in the Matrix. When you start siding with an obvious bad guy, when, you, when the bad guy brings up valid points, like, what was so bad 
about the Matrix. I mean, what was what was this is one of the things that I also had a problem with in the movie. What was Neo's big dissatisfaction? We're never shown it. Yeah. We're never shown it. He's a hacker, which by the way, in movie terms, if you're a hacker, you are automatically very hot. You're either yeah. Keanu Reeves or you're extraordinarily attractive. You're not some overweight guy with pimples sitting in your underwear going, I'm going to totally fuck up this program. <laughs> but you live like one of those guys. Yeah, you live. You're, you're gorgeous and you're in great shape, but you live like a total slob with pizza yeah. boxes everywhere and like exactly. a poorly lit apartment. Exactly. But we're told. We're told. We're not shown. Everyone keeps telling Neo what he's feeling. You know, Trinity tells him what he's feeling. Morpheus is constantly telling him what he's feeling. But we're never shown what he's feeling or what he's going through or what leads him to want to find out what the Matrix is or blah, blah, blah. And that makes it really difficult to identify with the lead character if you never knew what his motivations are to begin with. And the other thing is, they kind of they kind of want you to understand that isn't it evil that they're holding all of these human beings and they're using them for their electricity and heat it's awful it's terrible compared to what yes when you find out that they uh, oh thank you Samuel McCabe just said the justifications they needed the access codes to Zion's oh, yeah, mainframe not code. just the location thank you Cypher didn't know them. Cypher did not know them because they knew. Thank you, Samuel McCabe. I, I had a feeling that it would be justified. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so fuck that whole thing that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another point to be made about that, though, if you want to. I, I can even okay, make go it. For it. Okay, go for well, it. Go for it. Uh, well, it's, which is that, and I would I would put Morpheus's, you know, all, all of the, you know, all, everyone who's not, with us is against us in this same category, even though there's a lot more philosophical baggage to that that we've already talked about, which is it's just it's a hand wave to justify an action scene. I mean, yeah. I, do, I do think they did, you're right, I think they put a lot of thought into the script in terms of the, the, the philosophy and, you know, the significance, the symbolism, because clearly a lot, there's a lot there that's going on, and they've they're, clearly... They're very good writers, and they're usually yeah. quite thoughtful. This is probably the only film of theirs that I... I uh, full admission... I kind of like Speed Racer, <laughs> and I kind of liked Cloud Atlas as well. I know a lot of people are split on those movies, and a lot of people flat out fucking hated Speed Racer, but they're not—they're not bad writers. They—they—they they, they are probably some of the better writers working in in the industry right now. And so when you see something like that in the script, it's kind of glaring because you know that they put it in there intentionally. Yeah. Well, and like I say, I mean, I the, yeah, the philosophy is definitely there intentionally, and it's definitely something that they that they put some thought into. But yeah. it, you know, they they had this idea for an action scene where everybody kills everybody to get to Morpheus, and they had to put Morpheus in jeopardy somehow. So they had to get to there, and it just it feels like just the the most convenient way possible to put those pieces into play. You know, it's like okay, we need to set up our 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 players in the right place so that Neo and Trinity can come in and do this big awesome action scene. Yeah, but you know? what the problem that I have with that is is as a writer, you're a writer, I'm a writer. There are ways that you can come up with ways to justify the murder of people. You they oh, absolutely. Have, there are two kinds of programs that manage the matrix. There are the agents that are really fucking impossible to kill, and then there are lower programs that you're going to encounter that are that we can destroy. 
And that there, you're done. That's all you needed to yeah. do in a movie that is already weighed down in some parts with a lot of exposition. It doesn't take yeah. much. You had to all you had options available. Not killing innocent people is fine because they're not really innocent is bullshit. Yeah. Now maybe that was in there because they wanted people to have this kind of argument over whether or not it was moral, and that is quite possible. We are only taking it. I don't know if the Wachowskis are actively saying these people are heroes. They may just be setting up the world and saying, here it is, make your own decisions. And that's possible. But the decision I made was was that if th we're supposed to be taking this as these people are heroes, then I, c I have to reject the film because to yeah. me, they're not. They don't seem to have a plan. What is Morpheus's plan? <laughs> Ultimately, what is his fucking plan? He says he goes in and he frees people out of the Matrix one at a time? We, the implication is that there are 7 billion people in the Matrix. <laughs> right. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. That's why it's not so important to save him. There's not enough snot to go around for them to eat. <laughs> so. Uh, although Morpheus but, does have like three open spots on his ship. Yeah. At the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Um, Radical Bacon asks, what could have been done to make the Matrix good? Um, I do have a suggestion that, to me, to make it better, would have been if I saw Morpheus's problems with his morality. I would have had the main character, who is the one, say, Morpheus, you're full of shit. We yeah. can't kill innocent people. There is a, that would have made him more of the one then, yes, Morpheus, everything you say is wonderful. Everything you say is, is, is perfectly right and good, and you're so wonderful. I love you. You're like my Obi-Wan Kenobi, except you're dirtier. And you can beat people up. I don't want you to die, Morpheus. Instead, if we had someone who challenged Morpheus, because Morpheus is, is shown as kind of this battle-worn, very wise. He's in a very difficult position. And if they had someone in there that said, you know what, no, you're wrong. I'm not going to kill innocent people. I don't care what Morpheus says. These, they are innocent people. They don't know what's going on. I'm going to change things. All they had to do was to add that little thing, to give that little tiny twist to it, and that would have made a much different. That would have made a much different film. Um, a lot of you know, some people might counter. Well, he does make that phone call at the end of the movie. That phone call seemed very much like. A, a tape that a terrorist cell would leave, which is, hi, by the way, I'm God here in the Matrix now, so I'm going to do whatever I want, um, but I'm going to make that decision up to you as to what you guys want to do next, but uh, I'm going to fly away now, and then he flies away. Um, which, by the way, if you're going to make a sequel, don't give your... <laughs> Don't give your main character godlike and indestructible powers, because it makes <laughs> it really hard to put him in jeopardy in the next film. Yeah, you've um, you sort of written yourself into a corner there. Well, I don't think the Wachowskis intended to make uh, sequels. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think those sequels were planned, and uh, I think they were just happy that they were making the film that they wanted to make. Um, what do you think? What would you have done to make it better? Well, I mean, it, if we're if we're going under the assumption that it has to essentially still be the same movie, uh -huh. I think uh, a major improvement. It's sort of in the same vein of what you were saying. Just uh, uh, an alteration in tone, one direction or another. Either uh, get over the you know the the oh this has to be like a deep philosophical movie and just make a really well made, technically excellent 
action movie that isn't weighed down with all the questions and all the philosophy and all the you know the really troubling moral implications and just say you know what yeah maybe there's if you think about it there may be some troubling things going on but hey it's an action movie it's not you're not supposed to think about it just watch it and have a good time that would be one direction you could go yeah. or another direction you could go would be to impose some level of of judgment on the characters Mm-hmm. You know, where you where make it like if indeed the Wachowskis did make a movie not intending for Neo and company to be heroes. Yeah. Make it a little bit more obvious that that is your that, that you want it to be ambiguous, that you as a filmmaker are not saying because the thing is, I mean, I think that they clearly are meant to be heroes because everything they yeah. everything they do is is shot and presented as though it's the coolest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. They they're never shown to have any doubts. They're never shown to have any moments where, you know, they're they're troubled. They they they're filled with purpose and mission, and they're just they're clearly meant to be like, oh, I wish I was one of those guys. Like they're mm-hmm. the heroes. They're the cool guys, and tell the exact same story essentially but just have a little bit different perspective on it as a filmmaker say so, you know what what these guys are doing maybe they feel like it's sufficiently motivated but is it really mm-hmm. you know and something like that or you could just make an entirely different movie <laughs> cuz see one of my problems with the matrix for a long time and i noticed it again when i watched it recently is to me the most interesting part is before he gets unplugged mhm to me, the most interesting part is when there's still that within the world of the movie, because I mean, by the marketing and everything kind of made it clear what it was about. But when you're when you're just paying attention to what you are told in the movie, when there's still that mystery of what is the Matrix, you know, and they the, the whole and speaking of the marketing campaign in '99, the whole marketing campaign was built around that question, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the 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 tease, what is the Matrix, and then they answer that question 20 minutes in, and you've still got an hour and a half of movie left to go. I will me, say, give him the credit, that was an impactful scene. When oh, I finally yeah. found out what the fuck it was, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and but I just, you know, there are, there are other movies that, uh, that have dealt with similar themes, mm-hmm. both before and since The Matrix, that I think have done a better job of maintaining that sense of mystery or uncertainty, whereas mm-hmm. once Neo gets unplugged from The Matrix... All those questions about what's the nature of reality and you know how can you tell what's real and what's not, those pretty much go away, and yeah. it just becomes yeah. black and white. There's the matrix, and there's the real world, and you can always tell when you're in one and when you're in the other, and it just mm-hmm. becomes this sort of two levels of action. And all those, all, the, all those questions, which to me were the most interesting questions, although they, I mean, they've been asked a billion different times. It's not a fresh question at all, but it's an, it's an intriguing question. You know, what is reality? How do you know that what you're experiencing is real? What does it mean for something to be real? What does that yeah. concept even entail? You mm-hmm. know, these are really fascinating questions. And the Matrix kind of flirts with them for the first act, mm-hmm. and, then, and, and then it answers it definitively. This is real. This isn't real. And then they just sort of have an action movie. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, one of the things I would have done script-wise is, number one... When the motivations of your two main villains, Cypher and Agent Smith, are more well-defined, we get to we, we understand where Cypher is coming from. We understand why he does what he does. And later on in what is one of the better scenes in the film, when Agent Smith unplugs his little earpiece and leans in to uh, Morpheus 
and basically lays out what he thinks of the human race <laughs> and why he wants out. You don't expect it. Number one, you just think that they're just robots running on, on automatic and they're just kind of like doing what they're programmed to do. But when he takes out that earpiece and he leans forward and he complains about the smell and the yeah. the fact that he compares human beings to um, uh, bacteria, we under we now go, oh, okay, this guy, fuck. He really hates us, doesn't he? We don't get that <laughs> from Morpheus, Trinity, or Neo. We don't get their motivations at all whatsoever. And that's one of the yeah. things I want to know. Why is Morpheus this way? We, we, we know nothing about him other than this, I'm on the good ship Nebuchadnezzar and I'm going to release people. It's like, but why is this your plan? You were once in the Matrix. You came out, I, I, I think. And you, yeah. you know, I don't know who let him out, but someone did. And um, why, why, are, why are you so motivated? I mean, a lot of people say, well, because the Matrix and the people. And it's like, no, I need personal reasons for me to give a fuck about any of these people. I need to know why Trinity is so heavily involved, aside from, I'm a girl and I love and I love Neo. Fuck that. <laughs> I want to know what her motivations are. And, the, and it goes three times over for Neo because he's just a blank slate walking through this entire damn movie. And, you know, he does have a little thing of conflict when he thinks, oh, maybe I'm not the one because the, the nice old lady who gave me a cookie told me that I'm not the one. And, by the way, that is also a great scene. I really do like that scene with the woman in the kitchen baking the cookies. And the reason why I love that scene is because, finally, here's a character honestly isn't serious. She's serious in her own way, don't get me wrong. The Oracle has her own seriousness, but she has the air of someone who is relaxed, measured, kind of funny, a, a, you know, kind of a little sardonic. Just uh, When that scene hits, that her character stands out so much from all of the other, even the little children in her foyer who are bending spoons are so serious about everything they're doing. That's one thing. The other thing I would like is someone to laugh out loud in the course of the film. Just one expression of happiness. Something to make me understand that the real world is worth bringing people over to. Something there. Not just because it's real, but, you know, but because there's stuff there that's worth fighting for. And I don't get that. I don't understand why it is so important that all of these people confront the reality of their lives when in the Matrix, yes, they're just batteries, but those people are living lives. And confronted by a blasted Earth with no resources, fighting a bunch of squid bots, I don't know, if, you know, I don't see what the, what, where, the, where those stakes are. Because things will probably, if they, if if what would happen if Morpheus just stopped? He just when I'm going back to Zion, you know, putting us out here is putting us at risk. Going into the Matrix is putting everybody at risk because if I get captured, they're going to get the mainframe codes, and then we're all fucked. Well, maybe you should just stay in Zion and concentrating on I don't know, regreening the planet or getting the sun back. I maybe <laughs> that might be a good idea before you decide to start letting people out of the Matrix. But what would happen? People would still live in the Matrix. And people would be living in Zion, and maybe the robots will say, "Okay, fuck it, they're 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 done." We, 
Agent Smith can come out of the Matrix and go live in a squid bot body, and that'll be it. <laughs> so that those are some of the things that I would I would adjust for the film. And I've always maintained that if I come up with what I would prefer in a movie after I've seen the movie, then I didn't like the movie that much. <laughs> You know, there are little things that I would change too, like little, just little ticks in the script that I just notice as 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 a writer, as someone who thinks critically about it, like lines that should have been rewritten that I can't understand why they weren't rewritten, or mm-hmm. or deliveries like take, takes that made it into the movie that mm-hmm. I'm thinking like that's totally wrong. How the hell is that in the movie? Like, but first of all, like for the first act, especially for, throughout the movie, but especially for the first act, like every almost every line of dialogue is like uh, some sort of foreshadowing or some sort of, or like a, a way of sort of winking and referring to, you know, oh, this isn't all real or there's something special about Neo. Like there's that scene where, he, where he's talking to his boss right before Morpheus calls him in yeah. the office building and he's like, Mr. Anderson, you believe you are special. You believe the rules do not apply to you. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, can you make it any more obvious? Like just, <laughs> just look at the camera and just tell us what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's that there's uh, that line that still bugs me every time I see the movie when uh, when they're about to plug Neo back in after they've mm-hmm. taken him out, like to show him the training program. And Morpheus says, in his Morpheus voice, he says, uh, "This will feel a little weird." Like Morpheus wouldn't say that. Like when they heard Lawrence Fishburne do the Morpheus voice, why didn't they write a different line for him? Morpheus would not say, "Oh, oh, this will feel a little weird." No, no, no. He's like, he's stately and aloof, and you know. Um, and there was there was another one too that I that I thought of that that was just like, oh, oh, there's a, a that that scene with Cipher and Neo when Cipher is like sitting at the the computer and uh, he tells him, you know, why didn't I take the blue pill? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he's explaining why he's looking at the Matrix encoded as opposed to mm-hmm. looking at like images of stuff like they were when they were in the training program. And mm-hmm. uh, he says, well, uh, basically the explanation is that the Matrix is way too big and complicated for them to use their image translators to, to actually watch images of stuff going on in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the line that he says is, well, the image translators work for the program, but mm-hmm. not for the Matrix. Right. Uh, but 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 what he actually says is, uh, the image translators work for the program. Like his emphasis is totally wrong, and it's like it, it's it, you have to listen to him say it two or three times before you realize what what he's actually intending to communicate. And right. to me, that's like a take that would be corrected on the set. Like, you know, it's 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 changing the meaning of the line. It's making it confusing. One of the Wachowski should have said, "Okay, Joe, just say that a little different next time." Right. I have no idea how that made it into the movie. <laughs> Yeah. So final final thing, recommend or don't recommend? Oh man, um, you know, I, I would. It's it's difficult to not recommend it because I mean, yeah. it's I mean it is an influential movie for better or worse, and if you watch it with just a, a, a you know. A sort of cheesy mindset. If you watch it like you would watch a mystery science theater movie or something, it's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Like I yeah. would, you know, I so I'll recommend it on that basis. I recommend it if you don't take it seriously and if you want to see like you know the influence of the style and the technique and you know that sort of thing on movies that came since. I would recommend it. I'm going to recommend it like I would recommend someone watch Birth of a Nation. <laughs> It's even better. Yeah, it's an important movie. Um, 
it it is a hallmark in cinema. It is a it's definitely something that everyone's going to point to for a long time as um, uh, as far as technical achievement, visual achievement, um, how well it did in the box office, all that stuff. But don't take it seriously. The moment you start taking it seriously and you start picking it apart, you're going to find problems that you may or may not be able to get past. And I will readily admit, I am one of those people. I can't. This is one of those films that I don't watch for enjoyment anymore. I can't sit down and 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 joke jokingly pick it apart, uh, or just you know riff on it like I do a million other films. I will riff on Star Wars watching it with my kids, and I love Star Wars, but The Matrix is one of those films that I'll get to that scene and I'm like, fuck this. I cannot yeah. stand it. If you love The Matrix, you're justified in loving The Matrix, and I'm, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to take it away. But if someone is asking my personal opinion, I will say I recommend that you watch it because it's important to film history and you make up your own mind. But I personally cannot recommend it as far as just pure entertainment. I can't just say go and watch it; you'll have fun. I can't. I can't make that recommendation without at least letting them know. Go watch it, have fun. There's this little part. It might bother you. It may not. So that is finally we both give guarded recommendations for the Matrix. <laughs> and I there's one last question that I want to read before we get to counterpoint, and yes. that is uh, from Animus Tellum, and he asked, do you consider Agent Smith's disgust with humanity a viable motivation for his actions, or do you think an underlying reason for that revulsion would improve him as a character? No, that's all I needed. I needed to see him and hear at least one motivation for me to actually actively hate him, because if he was just the same robot through the entire film, I would not care if he got defeated. Um, so that's it for the last one, and now we're going to move on to Counterpoint. Yes, we both kind of didn't like The Matrix, but there are people out there who fucking love The Matrix and did take it very seriously. And I am going to read to you two Counterpoints to counteract our two opinions on The Matrix. And the first one comes from Mambubkid, who writes... People will say what they want about how good The Matrix is, which is what we just did. Um, <laughs> the but the bottom line is this. Finally, there's a philosophical film that has cut through this generation. My generation. The Wachowski brothers, well, they're just the Wachowskis now, probably scribbled a little PS note when they finished the script saying, think for a moment about your existence. What is The Matrix, you ask? Something that's closer to reality than you think. Either that or it's my personal choice for best film of all time. Wow. It is your personal choice for best film of all time. If you are really considering your existence after watching a film about robots that turn people into batteries, <laughs> I can't help you. Steve, any reaction to Mambu, Mambub, you kid? I mean, I don't know. It's if, if The Matrix is one of your favorite movies of all time, it's just like, it's, it, it's like the people who thought that Jaws was like a terrible movie and they couldn't understand. Like, how many movies have you really seen? I'm not saying that it's impossible to be like a really big, like serious, critical thinking movie nerd and not think that The Matrix is the best thing ever. That's yeah. possible. But there, I noticed there aren't very many, you know, serious film critics or film scholars who are like saying, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, fuck, you know, Citizen Kane. Fuck, mm -hmm. you know... Uh, fuck the searchers 
I mean, it's it's the Matrix. That's what I I mean, I just and it's not I, an appeal to popularity. I'm just saying yeah. that you know, it, it just so happens that a lot of people who know a lot about movies and really love movies think that the Matrix is just kind of eh. And you know, I don't. I, I remember I showed it to a friend of mine like not long after it came out. And he loved it. He thought it was mm -hmm. awesome. And he said, man, that movie was deep. And it's like, if you really think The Matrix is deep, when what I think of The Matrix is that it's really shallow, because it does have a lot of philosophical things to say, but they're all right on the surface. Oh, it's, it's a freaking melting pot of every yeah. fucking philosophy you can grab onto and chuck into one script. Yeah, it has lots of philosophy. It has, But, I mean... It, the movie itself is not deep. It might it might grapple very lightly with some deep issues, but the movie itself isn't deep at all. So, mm -hmm. no, f fuck that guy. <laughs> okay, and the second one is from I am Rambo twenty four, and he writes and he has it as six bullet points. Number one. Oh boy. Watch it one hundred times and understand the writing and script. Number two. It is derived from Kant's idea in parentheses, greatest mind of all time, and currently supported by the highest science known to mankind, also in parentheses, quantum physics. Bullet point three. It is hands down the greatest intellectual depth you will ever reach in your lifetime. Bullet four. The philosophies behind it is the best knowledge we know as an advanced human intelligence. It will take the rest of the population another 100 years to accept it as an objective view of reality. Bullet point five. It is a fictional account of our perception of reality. So although it represents the unknown reality as a machine world, the truth is we do not know and cannot possibly know what reality truly is in parentheses, if there is one. Number six. This means you will have to disregard everything you will ever learn in your education and accept another aspect of truth. Start now and reach a higher level of consciousness, and now in parentheses, maybe you and I can finally be on the same level of thinking. Um, I am Rambo24. If I am ever on your level of thinking, I'm going to eat a bullet. Because there is... <laughs> No way that I am ever going to think the way you think in regards to the Matrix. Here's a problem that I have with the Matrix, because there was a little bit of philosophy thrown in there. It made a whole lot of dumb people feel really smart when they, <laughs> they realized that there was philosophy in this action film. I'm just picturing this guy after seeing it in the theaters, just kind of sitting in a pool of his own jizz just staring at a blank screen for 20 minutes afterwards, his mind blown out of the back of his head because it's been filled with all of this philosophical nonsense and he's just trying to make sense of it because he really really liked the part where they shot those guys with guns in slow motion. Steve? Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like I was saying a second ago. It does, yes, it brings up these these interesting philosophical questions, right? Mm -hmm. I would love if the Matrix was really about the things that its ardent defenders say it's about. I would love if it really seriously invited us to grapple with the question of whether or not our reality is real. You know, because the thing is, like when when it when it 
when Neo is unplugged and it basically just answers the question, and no, Neo, your reality was not real, mm-hmm. but this reality is. It that's not the point. That you don't solve the philosophical problem. I no. mean, the philosophical problem is still there. You, there's still the problem of how do you know this is real? That's mm-hmm. the point. That's why it's called a philosophical problem, even though people have grappled with it for thousands of years, because there's no solution to it. You're always going to be a prisoner of your senses. You're never going to be able to tell whether, for for 100% certainty, whether what you're experiencing is real, or whether it's a hallucination, or whether you're being deceived somehow. There's that. That's the point of asking those questions and grappling with those issues, is that there's no way out. And and with the Matrix, oh no, there is a way out. You just unplug, and once he gets into the upper reality, the world where everybody's a battery, mm-hmm. that reality is that reality is never questioned. That reality mm-hmm. is never questioned. And so when you make a movie that is supposedly about ooh, question reality, what is re- how do you know what you're experiencing is real or not? What is the matrix? And then you answer the question, and you just completely move on from it from there. I'm sorry, I don't think that's a very deep movie. But I would have watched the movie, and you can just. I would have loved it if it turned out that the reality with the Nebuchadnezzar and Zion and all that shit was a side matrix where they took problematic programs and just kind of kept them apart. Yeah. And they were still in the fucking matrix. And they, they just thought they were out of it. But, um, okay, well, so much for that. We have had our counterpoints made, and now we're going to make recommendations. And I have a f- strange feeling we're going to both recommend the same movie, but we'll see. I have a backup, just <laughs> Okay, good. Because, and I mention this film because it came out a year before. It is one of my favorite films of all time, within my top 20. It follows the same lines, but it does it far more intelligently, far more creatively. And that movie, and this is my recommendation for this week, if you have not seen it, go out and see it. it that movie is Dark City. Um, it was directed by Alex Proyas, uh, written by Lem Dobbs, uh, Proyas, and Goyer before he went batshit crazy. And um, it follows a lot of the same themes about, um, you know, the, the reality that someone's in isn't the full truth. But what it does examine very well is who are we? Who are we as a person? What are we made out of? Are we just uh, 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 the sum total of our memories? Is there something more behind that? And it also throws in a whole lot of sci-fi tropes that are really cool and it has Riff Raff from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show playing one of my favorite villains of all time. Um, I cannot tell you a lot about the movie. I really can't if you haven't seen it. Let's just say that it's dark. It kind of has the same palette. Um, other Proyas films, the one that he directed right before this was The Crow. Um, he made this. He hasn't really had a whole lot of success since since uh, Dark City. Um, but Dark City was one of those films that got really great reviews, but no one really knew what to make of it, and it was opening against Titanic. So no one saw it. <laughs> Everyone went to go see Titanic. No one saw Dark City, but I highly Highly recommended. If you have not seen it, go out and see it. Um, you know there are going to be scenes where we discover backstory and 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 stuff about these characters that will uh, help you um, uh, feel emotional attachment. It, basically, the things that I found lacking in the Matrix are in Dark City in Spades, and it also helps that Dark City has a rich, deep core of film noir running through it. <laughs> 
So um, I love it. Go find it. I really can't tell you anything about it because there are spoilers in that movie galore. Steve, your <laughs> recommendation. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I, I, before I get to my recommendation, Dark City is an amazing movie, and if you haven't seen it, you should totally see it. It's like it's like uh, thematically very similar to The Matrix, but so much better. And one of the things it does that The Matrix doesn't do that I really prefer about it is it maintains its mystery, and it, it doesn't answer that question of what is reality and it, mm-hmm. you know, to the extent that it does answer it, until very, very late in the movie, it maintains yeah, its it, mystery. There are important reveals, and it doesn't spell it out to you. It's not no. like, okay, we're going to give a whole bunch of exposition, and and if you know, if you're following the movie and you understand what's going on, there is a payoff at the end of this film that you don't expect, and when it finally yeah. happens, you go, holy fucking shit! And it is one of those holy fucking shit <laughs> moments where you're like, I didn't know I was going to get this ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, and it made sense in regards to the to the script and everything that you saw up until that point. And I forgot to mention the cast: it's Rufus Sewell, um, Jennifer Connelly, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, um, and Richard O'Brien. And uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Your your song, no, your and 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 and, uh, and William Hurt. And William Hurt. William Hurt. Uh, yeah, so Dark City, if you haven't seen it and you like The Matrix, see Dark City and let me know what you think. Uh, I'm just kidding. Don't really let me know. Um, but my recommendation is something that is all... It's it's all, it's all similar to both The Matrix and Dark City in terms of its theme. Uh, and it's a movie that maybe a lot of you saw or have seen. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. It's uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, it's directed by Michel Gondry. It's written by... Charlie Kaufman, who's one of the most influential screenwriters of the last 20 years, probably. And it's the story of a guy, Jim Carrey, who attempts to forget his recently broken up with girlfriend by undergoing a a memory wiping process. He wants to have his relationship with this woman completely removed from his mind so he can, you know, forget about her and be happy. And much of the movie takes place like sort of within his brain as his memories are being reorganized and changed and and, uh, done away with. And there's so much going on about what, just as with Dark City, is it what makes us who we are? If we change our memories, if we change what we, if we change the person we think we are, do we change the person that we are? I you need know? my pain. And, <laughs> yeah, right. Quoting, quoting Shatner. Pain, I need my pain. <laughs> um, you know, and 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 again, it's it's another example like Dark City of a movie that grapples with some really interesting, really deep philosophical questions about the nature of identity and reality and does it in a way that is so much more interesting and so much more entertaining and so much more human. You know, there's there, there's a, a wonderful emotional core to Eternal Sunshine that uh, just makes it, you can relate to the characters, you care about what happens to them. Uh, in its own way, it's just as visually inventive as The Matrix is, not in terms of its action scenes or its, you know, kinetic cinematic style, but just there's some really wonderful, lovely visuals. Michel Gondry is a terrific visual director. Um, and that's my recommendation if you haven't seen it and uh, you, you're into the whole what is reality, what makes us who we are type of thing uh, that is dabbled in with The Matrix. Eternal yeah, Sunshine I, of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, I agree. I completely recommend that film. And you know, the technology that they're using in that is actually an adaptation of real technology that that scientists have come up with to uh, erase memories from people's minds. They're actually using it on people who suffer from PTSD and, and things like that. Um, but the other thing is, if you've ever been in a horrible breakup that has left you completely heartbroken, you're going to understand 
every part of this film. Oh, yeah. And it's also a Jim Carrey movie where you don't want to punch Jim Carrey directly in the face. <laughs> and there's not very many of those. No, there isn't. There is so not. So if you haven't all. seen this one, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, everybody. If you agreed with us or disagreed with us, please leave your comments down in the section. If you have a movie that you want us to review, please leave it down there below. I promise you that I do read them, and I bounce these ideas off of Steve. There are literally millions of films that we can possibly review, and we just don't come up with them immediately like we did last time <laughs> with The Matrix. <laughs> um, so uh, please leave your comments, your suggestions, your... You know, if you hate us for having destroyed a cherished childhood film today, we're sorry, but there's so many we're more sorry, films. We're sorry for childhood movies. But thank you guys for tuning in and watching. This is one of my favorite shows to do. It gives me a chance to talk about films because my son is going to murder me if he hears me talk about The Matrix or Jaws or any of the other films that we've been coming up with. Here's me talking about it again. I'm a dead man, so I'm glad that I have Steve, who actually is the only person that I can talk with that can get a Star Trek V reference off of one line! Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. I had that shit. So thank you guys for tuning in. We have one minute, so we're just vamping and talking ceaselessly <laughs> until it's 1 o'clock. Um, because you get the full hour. And I would also like to thank uh, the people who wrote in asking questions on the uh, the question doohickey. Um, they did help. And if you have any suggestions of something that we can add to the hour, because I have been trying to break it up and put it into little segments and all that other stuff, um, please do so. We are open to suggestions. doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to uh, uh, take them up, but, you know, sometimes someone may recommend something that's absolutely brilliant, and we may actually use it. So, uh, thank you, you guys, and go see a movie this week. Steve? Yeah, go see a movie. Is there anything good playing, even? Uh, apes. <laughs> the Apes movie is getting Okay, the Apes reviews. movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Maybe I'll go see that. Yeah, or go too. to a local art house movie and see a local art movie. Yeah, if there's one that's... Uh, yeah, my local art house movie was... And my childhood theater was just turned into a Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh, that sucks. No, it... It was a domed theater. It was uh. the big theater was a domed theater and had little ones in the back, and it was a cine arts, and then uh, and so many people were protesting it having been uh, torn down, and they finally got the rights uh, from Pleasant Hill to do it. This is how sneaky they were. At three o'clock in the morning, the city of Pleasant Hill agreed to have it torn down, and they tore it down one hour later. Oh, they literally man. had the stuff outside because they thought that if people found out that they would chain themselves. I would have been one of those people because I saw I saw Jaws, Close Encounters, st all one uh, uh, Return of the Jedi there. I saw Roger Rabbit, Terminator 2. A lot of my films from my childhood was in that fantastically glorious domed theater. Jeez. And now it's a dick's fucking sporting goods. So, oh, we went over a minute because I went on a rant. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>